This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to another episode of The Wrap-Up, a.k.a. Oren and Aiden haven't talked in a while, a.k.a. The Raptors Emergency Podcast, a.k.a. We're Bored. Um, I'm Oren, and I'm with Aiden, and we, we really haven't talked about the Raptors together in quite a while. Our schedules have not uh, mixed too well. You've been in an undisclosed location that you can't tell people, where there's lots of sun, that you just got back from so yeah um how's it going and good. also uh, good and also where do you want to start with this team because the raptors stink right now they just <laughs> lost back-to-back games in orlando and we want to talk about it but i'm gonna let you choose like i guess where do you want to start as in what's the biggest issue that we should start off talking about? i just want to say the one first of all it's nice to see you again I, this is nostalgic for me, like those dead days in the summer where we just go on here and yeah. hammer on. It's really nice. I think we had a better mood then, though, coming into the For year. sure. I was much more optimistic than I am now. But although I'm not that optimistic. But I, I want to say the one downside of this hobby job, whatever you want to call it, is having to rewatch a game that you already know the score in, that you already know they're going to get their asses kicked, that you already know is against the worst team in the league. Like it, it literally just couldn't have been the a worse hour and a half of my life, just knowing what's happening and watching it slowly devolve before my eyes. Like, yeah, it's a form of torture as somebody who loves the uncertainty of a, of a, of sports just generally. I usually watch them live, but I watch Fridays. I missed. So I rewatch Friday on Sunday. So I basically watched them back to back, the Friday's Oof. game and then the live Sunday game. And let me tell you, that was torture because the uh, Sunday game was it was the longest two and a half hours of my life. Like it really was. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. So so I guess to say is that we're, we've come together because it, it there has been like a spike, I would say, in mostly Twitter, but I would but other media outlets about the panic over the Toronto Raptors, right? Like we, we've got thumped twice in New Orleans and Brooklyn or against New Orleans and Brooklyn Lakers, whatever. And then Orlando is just kind of pathetic. So it's like, there's a lot of turmoil amongst Raptor fans, right? So this is our quote unquote emergency pod to discuss that and maybe express our own, you know, turmoil or not. I'm, on the side of I'm not all that worried from like a structural point of view. I still believe in the this team's structure to for the most part. I believe in this team's direction wholeheartedly. Um, and I'm very optimistic about certain parts of this team, OG and Pascal being the 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 two uh most of uh, uh, most recently or of this season that being said there is something stinky about this team and it's if you look at it statistically so i went back in the last two weeks the raptors um are a minus 1.8 in point differential per 100 possessions the majority of their other stats other than three-point shooting um both defensively and offensively other than those two things their stats have been more or less pretty good like there's nothing when i flick around on cleaning the glass you go up and down uh you know you you press it to see the bottom people you press it to see the top and then neither am i seeing toronto you know so there's nothing glaringly horrid statistically speaking about toronto other than the shooting which i think is really what this has mostly been all about 
They, yeah, their their point differential is 13th in the league, which just shows that they're probably not as bad as what we've been seeing recently. Right. It's it's somewhat misleading. And, you know, point differential varies because if you kick kick the butts of a few teams, it kind of boosts your point differential a little bit. But, I mean, it really comes down to the fact that they're 27th in the league in three-point shooting um, offensively in the last – last couple of weeks and then defensively um they are not as bad as i thought they're actually eighth but i you know i think like some of this could just be variance to me what's really disconcerting though is the malaise of the team the general yeah, yeah, yeah. of the team i think that is the only thing that I would be concerned is, ha- you know, if I'm going to the dentist and I'm looking at the teeth of the Toronto Raptors, I'm a little bit worried about a root canal for the, like, the tood of this team, you know, because they don't necessarily have an emotional leader. And we've talked about this before. They have, they have like, a go-to guy leader in Pascal. They have a voice that everybody looks to in Freddie. But I wouldn't say that they have an emotional leader. And, you know, Boston, for better or for worse, had that in Marcus Smart. And it, he he might have snapped that team out of their malaise to some degree by just being the unfiltered, loud voice in the locker room that says this is unacceptable. And I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But it feels like um, there isn't somebody in that locker room emotionally rallying these guys and lighting the fire under their ass. And I feel like we have seen that over the past two weeks. Yeah. Okay. You said a lot there. I know. Sorry. I, th- I, I think you said I'm first rolling. I was like, are we going three point shooting? Then I was like, oh, we're going off court issues. Okay. But I'm glad you said all that. I'll, I'll quickly hit on the three point shooting just because I was looking at cleaning glass today too. And it's hilarious. Everyone is in the blue other than Malachi Flynn, <laughs> the one guy not playing any minutes, even at like, yeah, like last last game, he was the only guy on the roster to not play minutes who was healthy. Uh, so it's just funny. Like everyone is in the blue. This is uncharacteristic. This is going to bounce back. They have they're creating a lot of open shots, a lot of open catch and shoot looks like this is just going to catch bounce back. Whether or not it happens soon enough in the season, we'll see. And but, conversely, uh, at the beginning of the season, they were at the other end, too, where yeah. they were hot. So, yeah. you know, to. Yeah, so to an extent, this is going to bounce back. Um, I think they've created pretty good looks this season, as long as Siakam's been on the court or, or even healthy. And I'm pretty confident in their ability to bounce back in that regard. But let's talk about the the off-court stuff, because I, I think like I'm right with you. Like When you said you're confident in the, the structure of the team and where this team is going, I agree to an extent. Like I, I do like Vision Six Nine, and I think there's a lot of smarts to it, and I think the defensive style they play has some real utility at times. Maybe not all the time, but at times, and that's another discussion. But in terms of the structure of the team, I just like you said, something's off about this mix to me. And I wouldn't go so far to say they don't have an emotional leader. I think Fred is that. I think guys listen to him, and and he really has taking that role but but to me something like somewhere in the chain of command somewhere along the chain of messages the message is being lost and we like Kyle Lowry was the guy who basically the Raptors came known as this team that played harder than their opponents every night and like if they weren't going to do anything well they were definitely going to play harder and out hustle and out fight and all that stuff and it was because Kyle set a tone and whether like I think Fred is the emotional leader and I think he tries to set a tone him and Pascal and the way they play but you can only set a tone if the tone is being bought by the other like if the other players buy it and and follow it I should say you can only set a tone if it's followed and I don't think the tone is being followed I think there's like two groups of players one is mature emotional like advanced and has these reps and like Chris Boucher is a great example of a guy who used to be in the in the other tier but is now like this mature player who every night is as consistent as it gets but then there's this other group of young guys Gary Scotty like 
Fred is in his own group this year because he's stunk, but I think he's played really hard. So it's like in a weird kind of group, but there's like Gary, Scotty and Delano and Malachi and, and all these guys who just don't bring a consistent effort and like energy and consistency um, or focus, I should say. So I think that's kind of where they're at is like they have, they're trying to kind of play on two timelines. Um, but that only works if both timelines are on the same page in terms of like winning and in terms of like professionalism. And I actually think that's like what's hurt this team the most this year is like a lack of professionalism across the board. Yeah, I don't think so. I do agree with you, Freddie being emotionally, but he's not expressively that, you know, I, I, I don't think. And I and sometimes yeah, that's you, true. you just need that loud, barky, uh, you know, course correction in the middle of a game or in a locker room. And again, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors, so I. I, I can only like make some well guess you, you brought up Marcus smart and like one thing we do know is like like uh Fred does not at least in the media he'll never like call stuff like that out but like yeah. I remember Marcus smart a year ago is just like they need to pass the ball more like yeah. the Jays need to start moving the ball and like that started changing stuff say what you will so I think that is an example that you can just say definitively the Raptors don't have that whether that's the only way to do it or not is its own discussion yeah, and the other thing, and passing the ball is something I want to get back to, but the other thing about the energy is that it's not like um, they hate each other or they hate the coach. Like, it's not, it's something, like, explicit, you know? It's just that, like you said, the lack of effort somehow seems to reflect something. And it might just be that they're dejected, you know, that, like, there's just general frustration and it feels like they're hitting their heads on a wall with the same thing over and over again. That's kind of the feeling I get. Like when there's, especially against Orlando, when there's these multitude of defensive breakdowns, right? Like Wagner's getting wide. Both Wagner's are getting wide open threes. Um, and, you know, they're looking at each other kind of in frustration or confusion. It seems like the energy is kind of like, like again, like, oh God, like what's going on, you know? Yeah, and, and I think that, that's compounded by like their failure to score on the other end, right? Right, and you're not, yeah. And anybody who's hooped knows that like it's so much easier to play defense when you when you score. Like it's just like you're, and and you know that's one difference between a professional player and a less professional player is that you don't need to score to play good defense, a la PJ Tucker. But so I think that's kind of what I'm getting at is that I don't think. You know, I don't think nurses lost the locker room or anything like that. It just seems like, like to your point, it might just be it's the young guys. But there's a lot of this going on after a yeah. possession. It's not like, oh, we screwed up, turn around, get back and um, go down the floor. There, you know, it's borderline finger pointing. And, and to me, that's what's like disconcerting. Yeah, me too. I don't think you're right. Like, I don't think Nurse has lost the locker room. And I'm also with you. Like, I'm not panicked in terms of, like, I think they could totally still turn this season around and be really good the rest of the way. I wouldn't, It would not shock me at all if they won, like, 48 games or whatever this season. But um, I'll say I asked, like, Thad Young about this kind of, like, because I, I felt the same way in terms of like, they're not playing with the same enthusiasm for each other and right. stuff. And like, a good way to I was just like, yeah, like you played the Celtics and every time the Celtics like do anything, their bench is going crazy. And I was like, it's a really stark difference. And he was like, yeah, we're not like the loudest, but we're still talking to each other on the side and we're still helping each other out off the ground and all that stuff. Um, so I think I, I'm not too concerned about that, but I think what I'm concerned about and like you hit around it is like, role definition and like buying into roles that's what i think this team has not gotten and this is where i kind of blame the coaching staff a little bit where at least like we were talking a lot about continuity in the offseason building on court chemistry in the offseason i think part of that should have been role definition in the offseason like why not you're playing together figure out who's going to be doing what on the court and where we're a third into the season it feels like nobody has any idea who's the number two option on this team like you know what i mean like if pascal's off the court who do we give the ball to when things aren't going great 
right now. Right in, right now, it's Gary takes a turn, then then Fred takes a turn, then Scotty takes a yeah. turn, then oh oh yeah oh G's on our team. We should probably find him <laughs> because he's not really that aggressive yet. He's the he's the best points per possession guy on the team this year. Like, it, yeah, role definition is a huge issue for me. It's just like maybe there is some definition, but maybe like there there isn't buy in like. Again, Chris Boucher is to me like the only guy who is like bought in to having like this reduced role. And like he's he he does it to like an exemplary degree every night. Um Gary, yeah. it seems to me like he's coming along. Dude, I think Gary's Gary when you mentioned his like uh energy, I disagree in the, the most recently, like he yes. even in the mentioned. last he two has weeks looked really like locked in. In the last two weeks, yes. He has, but it, it hasn't been consistently this season. Um, but I think he's found a role off the bench for sure. I still think Fred and Scotty don't really have clear roles. Um, or at least they're not they're not happy in their roles. Like Fred started the year playing off ball almost always. And now the ball's back in his hand, even though everyone's healthy. And Scotty, he's the most guilty of like doing this or doing the like head down. And it's just like, Scotty, like what's wrong? Like, to an extent, I get it. He has a lower usage rating than he did in his rookie of the year. Like, that's rare for a rookie of the year to go down in usage. Uh, that's what the Raptors have asked of him, though. And that, and it's like, it seems like no one's happy in their role. Yeah, I 100%. Um, it does feel like Nurse has been, you know, decided... It's almost like he's given free, you know, he's just like put all the stallions in one corral and said, okay, you guys go figure out the pecking order. Um, And I think that can be, you know, organically good for a team to kind of figure out who has the chops. But, you know, when, when multiple guys are struggling, which is Scotty, Gary and Freddie all at once, and they're all trying to get theirs, it can look pretty ugly. And really this team, I haven't written about it yet. And I'm, I haven't, dived into the data yet but i really feel like there's going to be something uh very evident about assist percentage and wins because when this team is moving the ball really swiftly and and thoughtfully they look awesome and then there's all of these possessions where freddie's doing use in and out of the floor and around and loop-de-loops and scotty's like give me the ball like way above the break and is like going one-on-one and does a pull-up jumper or Gary, same thing. Alvin, Alvin gave him shit the other, or uh, the last game for doing like a pull-up with uh, Schofield, right? Right in his yeah, grill, yeah. right? Like the, like, the contrast. He got fouled, just, right? He was like, he got fouled, yeah. but that was not a good shot. Yeah. <laughs> Love Alvin really getting frustrated. And, and so to me, the, the contrast is just so glaring. And I don't know if yeah. that's like, you know, contempt for one another or frustration or you know it doesn't make sense to me why it ebbs in and out but that's why i'm hopeful for this team because there's so many guys on this team that when they pass freely uh it makes this team extremely dangerous even when they're not shooting well yeah okay yeah go ahead no, I was just going to say you mentioned the splits with the assist percentage one thing i can tell you is the splits with fred playing well or not playing well are drastic like wins and losses this is fred's stats right now wins he's shooting 39 percent losses he's shooting 31.9 percent wins he's shooting almost overall overall. wins he's shooting 40 he's shooting 40 percent from three losses he's shooting 25 percent from three 21 points and wins 12 points and losses like it just goes on and on uh yeah Plus minus 18.9, plus 18.9 in wins and a minus 11, 14.8 in losses. I really can't talk. It's late in the, in the uh, Eastern time zone, but, but yeah, like this, I mean, let's talk about, let's go on the court a little bit more because we've addressed kind of as much as we can say about just the vibes and the feels of this team. But like to me, if Fred and Scott, scotty barnes were playing as well as they did last season um there's no reason why this team shouldn't be like a 50 win team given how og is playing given how siakam's playing given even how guys like coloco and thad and 
Wancho and and Boucher have kind of chipped in. Um, what what's I don't know if you want to start on Fred or Scott, but like, yeah, who do you want to talk about first? Well, I you mentioned Freddie up all. I, it worked splendidly. I don't know what his yeah. usage has been since past before Pascal's injury to after. Um, something doesn't look right with Freddie. Yeah, it's just like like athletically. It, it might even be fitness. Like I I don't know. Even in his shot, I, I I'm not going to do this, but I really wanted to look at his shots from last year compared to this year because he almost looks like he's like heaving it a little bit more or something. Something just doesn't seem right. Um, but that's neither here nor there in the sense that like, like you were talking about role definition. I think when Pascal was just coming out of the gates hot beginning of the year, it was evident he was number one and Freddie was kind of making a living just being, you know, his usage was, was down more. His assists were up more. Like I thought that was the perfect role for him. And Scotty's Scotty's struggled for most of the year, but when he's aggressive, when he doesn't settle for these jumpers, and I wrote about this two weeks ago, like, I don't care that he's doing more isolation. Good for him. His handles are clearly much better. Good for him. His shot form is better. Good for him. But going away from, you know, he took a shot from the elbow against Orlando. I'm like, I feel like I haven't seen him take that shot in so long. And that used to be one of his go-tos last year. Um, the game against, the first game against Orlando, or maybe, or or I can't remember now, but there was an aggressive Scotty where he was just walking his dude down to the post and going right over top of him. It's like, hello, you know, I, to me, Scotty's bucket getting can be so simple and he makes it much harder because he's interested in experimentation, exploration. And I fully support that. And that's where development and growth comes. But he hit between him and Freddie, just kind of, you know, yo-yoing with usage and aggression and and whatnot it's like it's just made for a lot of ugly possessions yeah yeah and and i do feel like they do have like fundamentally different problems which you hit on like and and samson was talking about this in his mailbag podcast which people should go listen to on the raptors republic feed is like with fred it's a physical thing it looks like it like he doesn't have the same burst to get past his man on the ball he doesn't have the same lateral movement to stay in front of guys that we're used to seeing from fred worse too uh and the shot too is a problem and and that i mean nick said that it's not straight as it used to be like these all hint at physical things to me where it's like yeah like it could be a fitness thing where he maybe isn't fully in shape it could be an injury thing i don't know but he's just not the same player whereas scotty like we see these bursts like he is the same player he's just kind of taking different shots than we're used to seeing i think it's a lot of things i think to some extent scotty fell in love with the the shot because it has improved and so like he's taking it a lot more than he probably should i don't mind him taking threes like i'm there's the long twos that definitely bother me it's the five Um, seconds into the possession that both he and freddie are guilty of doing that just are yeah. so frustrating. Those are the ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Scotty, that's why I went at the beginning and said there's kind of two groups and one group is kind of professional and ready to win and one is a little immature. I think Scotty, like with his approach really on both sides of the ball, the defense we can talk about after, but like offensively, it's kind of just immature. And like I was just watching Giannis play uh, the Warriors. <laughs> and I don't know, he got to the line like 25 times. But it's like Giannis is the perfect example of a guy who is like unashamedly going, driving to the basket um, and just like being the aggressor and initiating contact and all that stuff. And I'm not saying like Scotty has the same handle or athleticism as Giannis does, but it's just a mentality thing more than anything. Like there's there's Ben Simmons who's afraid to do that and who's afraid to go to the free throw line. And then there's Giannis. And Scotty needs to air away from the Ben Simmons towards the Giannis in that department of just like being aggressive and 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 dominating the paint and all that stuff that we've seen him do in spurts. But to be frank, isn't the most fun stuff to do. Like basketball players, you know, these young hip guys who have money and fame they want to take shots 
they want to they don't want like Giannis is like the dad of basketball. He's not like cool. Yeah, you, you know? he's like, an extreme example of what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 Barnes needs to be a little less cool in what he does and a little more just like forceful. He used and, to be that guy though, right? Like he used to be the gritty. I mean, that's what I think I loved about him is he was yeah. coming, he was blossoming into this all-star rookie of the yeah. year and at the same time being this gritty like asshole essentially yeah i feel like he appealed to the new school and the old school for those yeah. reasons yeah and he's totally that grittiness and i i disagree with you in that we don't know that it's not physical with scotty either because he yeah. his his movement looks kind of off as well um and you know the, i've never seen somebody roll an ankle so many times and yet be totally able to play like that i'm not that there's no there's no commentary in scotty whatsoever i'm sure it hurts his shit and i'm just shocked that it's neither structural damage nor fine you know what i mean like it just keeps happening over and over and over again and usually like so that's weird to me and then there's also this knee thing and whoever who knows what else so i think that could be some of this but i think you're right that you know and it's funny there's this whole twitter storm thing about can we or can we not criticize Scotty's like on court attitude or you know uh ex- expressions right like do we have to give him the benefit of the doubt and not read into it and stand stand by or do we have to like read overly read into this and say like this is not good um and i know grange just wrote about something about Masai sitting Scotty down and talking to him Whatever, like none of this is systemic or like profoundly wrong, but I, it to me, it there is a contrast of the energy and intensity that Scotty once put into the game versus now. Whether yeah. it's frustration, disinterest, prima donna, injury, I don't know what the answer is. It could be all of the above, but there's something going on, and it's it's hurting yeah. this team quite significantly. Yeah. And I use the word maturity because, like, to me, it's not like the end of the world long term. Like, Scotty, I think, is going to be fine long term. There's nothing that's kind of happened this season skill wise that's made me feel any lower about his ceiling. But it just seems to me like he's the second year player who has a year under his belt, doesn't have as much to prove as he did in that rookie of the year season where he wanted to win that award. And and doesn't have the same fire under him or, or for whatever reason. So I think he's going to find that maturity and that professionalism. It's just a matter of kind of when. Um, because, yeah, like the defensive end of the floor is its own problem where he really has pr- a trouble locking in on that scheme over the course of a full game. And he'll have really nice moments. I thought last game was a good improvement for him. Yeah. Um, but then he'll he'll have these moments where he loses his guy just too often. Um, Can I, but are we sure he's put in the best spot defensively? I swear to God, at the beginning of the year, he was in the middle of the defense at the back line. He was a center. He was playing center position when they had Gary starting in the like the old lineup, mm. and and then all of a sudden, halfway through the season thus far, he's guarding point of attack superstars like he's guarding Luka Doncic. I don't know if yeah. that's planned because of pick and rolls and they can switch more easily. I don't know what that was, but over and over again, they had him way overextended. It's like, why can't we hide Scotty or not hide him, but put him in places where he can excel, which is he's a brainiac. Let him be the team defender. Let him like wander and be on the help side and read plays. And, and he did that in the Orlando game last night. He had an interception and, you know, kind of ran the floor. Like, I don't know why we're not doing that with him instead of putting him in these more precarious situations yeah i think that's fair um they've moved a little away from it i think recently yeah they have like putting him on all handlers but yeah we'll we'll see well that's also why this season is so hard for me to judge because it's like is this a developmental year like or or do like where is the coaching stuff at but anyways that's that's a bigger discussion we can get back to i want to talk about this question like just to you what what are you more concerned about right now the defense or the offense? Uh, the defense is like it's actually not that bad when you look at the numbers. It's the not. It's ranked 14th. The defense is ranked 10th. However, the half court offense is ranked dead last, the 30th. 
And the defense, if you look at effective field goal percentage, which is just a part of defense, but how efficiently they're shooting when they do shoot, um, 55.8%, that's 27th in the league. Am I sharing my screen? No, sorry, I was. I meant to. So, yeah, what's what's kind of more concerning to you kind of we, in the long term this season? What's kind of crazy is in since well, this entire year, but I, I wanted to look at um, – their the last two weeks but um their half court so their half court defense right now is not that bad it's 16th in this little like in the last two weeks so i think i think that's eight games maybe um so it's it's pretty good you know it's actually been the transition defense that's been horrible um they uh let's see here they're 25th in points per possession allowed in transition. So that's in the last two weeks, in the last two weeks. So that's indicative of, you know, kind of what we're talking about, not hustling, not getting back. And, you know, like the question of, am I more concerned about the defense or offense? The thing is, is that you're basically asking me, am I concerned about the strategy of the Toronto Raptors? Because they know on offense, they're not going to be, you know, hot to trot. They're resting their laurels and their success on the defensive end, you know, increasing the possessions through turnovers and offensive rebounding, getting out in transition, forcing the teams into awkward shots, blah, blah, blah. Like this team is about thriving on the defensive end and hoping that they can maintain a status quo on the offensive end. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the defense has been crud and you have to ask yourself is like, is this a worthwhile venture is this a long-term strategy? Um, and we've seen in the playoffs and in in serious games, high competitive games, it hasn't worked, you know? Um, so I think I'm more concerned about the defense. And really recently, like, you watch some of the, like, there's been so many misplays. Like, nobody's closing out. Two guys are closing out. Four guys are closing in on a driver, which I think is part of the scheme. But like, it makes no sense when you to have four guys stepping into the paint on a on a penetrator. What you know, it just doesn't make sense. So like, something's not right. Either the scheme's not working, or somebody in the uh, groups that are being deployed is not not pro- um, fulfilling their role properly. I'm not really sure. I think Cloco's really struggled lately too. But it's definitely the defense that I'm most concerned about at this point. They, they're not the gritty, mean Chicago Bears 1980s like defensive ten, uh, group that I was looking forward to. Chicago Bears? I don't know. I think they were like, weren't they like mean mugging dudes back in the I, day? No, I, that reference went way over my head. Mike Ditka, yeah. something, something, something. I'm also, also no precious in Chua, which is which is yeah. we should mention for sure. Yeah, but I'm in agreement with you for sure. Is is the defense like even when you look at the guys they've played, it's aired towards defensive guys, Delano over Malachi, for example. And so you would think that like their defense would be really good. Um it hasn't. And like, yeah, considering the size they play, they should have a good defense. And it's been very middle of the pack. Um so that's and also on offense, like honestly, I think they've created better looks this year than they did last year. For sure. Just like I test. Like Pascal has been so good, such so a good passer this year. And uh, that that I'm not as worried about the offense. Like I honestly think this could be a decent offense, and it, especially if you add a little bit of talent. But um defensively, the most concerning thing, like this is the real reason I wanted to have cleaning the glass up here, is like they have this whole strategy where even now, like they're starting Coloco. So like really everything they're doing is in order to take the rim away. Like, like that's why they pinch so many guys into the paint is because they want to stop the penetration. They want to collectively protect the rim. And yet opponents are getting the rim on 35.7% of possessions. That's 24th in the league. And like a Nick nurse team has never been anywhere near that bad. And accuracy-wise, they're hitting 69%, which is third last in the league. 
And again, like even last year and even in the Tampa year, they were better than that. <laughs> so it's like the rim protection has completely gone out the window. And I think a lot of that is because of the breakdowns you talked about where guys are just getting layups, like if they are getting to the rim, uncontested layups way too often. And I think there are, yeah, it's definitely both. Like the personnel wise, you just can't have more than one like weak defender in this system on the floor at a time. And the way Fred's playing, he's become kind of a weak defender in, in some scenarios, at least in terms of ball containment. Scotty is definitely a weak defender. Gary at times is a weak defender. And so it's just like Coloco outside of like protecting the rim. He's a weak defender. So um, yeah, there's just too many mistakes and that, that it, it's also on the scheme because as brilliant as the scheme might be in Nick Nurse's head, if they cannot execute it consistently, it doesn't matter. And it's like you have all this summer, you have all this continuity bringing the whole team back, and it's like they still can't execute your scheme, man. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, and it it felt like, you know, we talked about, you know, more time to gel, more time to figure it out. It I'm sure they thought, you know, this year, they're going to figure it out. Like everybody's going to be in sync and you would see it, you know, in the Philly series and stuff at times they were in sync, they were locked in and it worked. But I, at some point you got to ask like, how long are you going to push this strategy along, you know? And, and is it even sustainable? I think that's the other question. Like, I think part of the frustration is not, is not, for those of you not watching, Warren is now walking out of the room. So I'm now talking to myself, which is fine. I can do that all I need to. But to me, oh, he's getting his charger. Okay. No foresight. That's all right. But to me, I think zero. the frustration when they're expressing it to one another is not actually at each other. But they're expressing their frustration with the coach and the mm-hmm. strategy through frustration with one another right like i think it's I, both but yeah I, I get it's probably point. both but i think that's part of it is that there there's some exasperation going on here and they know that i mean expressing anger and contempt to your teammate in the middle of a game is very counterproductive both in your relationship with the player and how you're perceived by the coaching staff right like it's not a good look and so i think part of it is that they want to they want it to be seen that they're frustrated and and it could be that it's just because they don't feel like this scheme is working and it's exhausting them and it's frustrating them. And if they can't contain Bull Bull, how the hell are they supposed to contain, you know, Jason Tatum or Kevin Durant? Bull Bull's um, nice though. Bull Bull's real nice too. Um but to that point, like I keep seeing on Twitter, this is my only Twitter rant for today because I know it's not a real place, but like the idea every time the Raptors are winning, people are like, Oh my god, Nick Nurse's scheme is so dumb, they can't execute it. It's they need to change it. And then every sorry, sorry, that's every, every time, time they lose it. And then every lose. time they win, oh Nick's a genius. This scheme really gets the most out of these athletic rangy guys. Oh, they're 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 so far ahead of the, the NBA pack. It's like I think both are true. Like this is a good scheme at times. This is a very good thing to have in your back pocket. And hence why I think like vision six, nine is smart and, and has a lot of utility. And, and we've seen this year, there are matchups like Cleveland, I think is a good example, yeah. but just cannot handle this at all. Mm-hmm. Like even that San Antonio game, it was just like, what is this? Atlanta like, this is too much size. I can't. Yeah. Trey Young in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, but this is like, maybe we're not ready to get there, but I mean, we're 40 minutes in. This is like why I made the argument for a center. And and I I know you saw that. It's like, get a real center in here. So these guys don't have to play this scheme for 48 minutes, but they can play it at times. They can close the game with Gary and go small and play it. Um, They can play it in these stretches, but the base scheme, it seems to me like whatever, if you want to call it the base or not, like this scheme can no longer be the number one option. And then people might hear this and say like, well, Coloco, he's playing drop at times. That's true, but they're saving Coloco every time he plays drop. Like Pascal is like the dad to to clean up all these mistakes. And it's like, 
he's a rookie. Like, if you want to play drop, like you're doing with Coloco, do it with like a real veteran center who can actually keep the other guys in their roles where they're not all of a sudden pinching in and helping Coloco. And you actually can play a real drop and then you go to those other schemes uh, at other times. But yeah, that's why that's why I set a center and because like the rim protection numbers are so scary. And it just feels like if you plug that hole, I feel like everyone would be happier too. Just like what you were saying about the mistakes. Like everyone would be happier if you just had a, a, a veteran center who knew what they were doing back there. Yeah, and I and we saw that actually last year with a healthy Ken Birch. And I think we're gonna see more of him moving forward just because Coloco has all really... my questions. Who should start? Well, like, Coloco has been really I, I was down for the Coloco experiment, but he's really been struggling lately and his foul rate is atrocious, right? He's it's crazy. He's six percent for bigs uh, and foul rate, which is uh, actually Ken Birch is worse. But um, what? Yeah, Ken what? Birch is a worse foul rate right now. But he hasn't really played much, and he's been injured. Blah blah blah. So yeah. I think Ken, in the short term, Ken gives you what you're talking about, which is a little bit of more like stability and a back end that you can kind of work with, and blah blah blah. And I think you're right. Like I, I, I have been anti-big acquisition this whole whole time, and and continued to be right up until this spurt of games where, like, yeah, I'm just realizing that things are harder to accomplish um, than they need to be. And um, you know, when like even when like you're saying when things go well, it's still exhausting for these guys, right? Like nothing's coming easy. And I'm not saying that it should necessarily, but there lacks a diversity of defensive deployments. You can't throw the same thing at every single team, like you're saying. And we saw that very clearly with new Orleans. Um, and so, yeah, it makes sense to get somebody in the back line who can just be the physical presence that you need, smart physical presence that you need. Um, I had something else to say with that, but I've lost it. But yeah, I I, uh, I agree with you, and I'm slowly coming around to that. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially because it's like offensively, I trust that Pascal. Pascal hasn't been as good as he was when he before the injury, so I trust that Pascal is going to get back there, and I trust that these guys' shooting is going to long get a come along, and therefore I trust that an offense of respectable numbers is coming back to this team, like. It's not going to be a top five offense, but I think they, there's a respectable offense here. I actually don't think there's like a great defense here, just in the sense of like the only way to get it would be to play Fred and, and Pascal 40 minutes a night and like tax their bodies by playing this crazy scheme. That's the only real way this team can play defense right now. And so to me, that's just not realistic. It's not sustainable. So that's but I guess why. Yeah. You do have to remember, like, I mean, so in the last two weeks, they are three and five. They're 11th in points per possession on defense. Like, it hasn't really... Yeah, they force so many turnovers, though. In the half court, I bet they're, they're way worse. Well, so their turnover percentage is 16.6%. Uh, no, we, and uh, let's see. Defense transition... Points allowed, yeah, they're in transition. They're 25th. We talked about this. They're 25th yeah. in points yeah. per position. And their half court's actually not that bad. I mean, again, it's skewed because it's Orlando twice. It's mm-hmm. the Lakers. Um, yeah. But their defense has been working. But, I mean, then you it begs the question, like, are they exhausted on the offensive end? But that's the thing. It's been working in spurts. It hasn't been working yeah. at, at all consistently. Yeah. And especially when the margin of error on the offensive end is so thin. Um, yeah so do you have any other or should we get the final question let's do it all right Oren Weisfeld do you blow it up do you go all in or do you tinker Taylor um you definitely don't blow it up because you have Pascal on your team and you're too talented to tank so I'm somewhere between tinker Taylor and go all in like I'm definitely for going all in. I have been for a while. I've been on the KD train. I I was, you know, somewhere on the Donovan Mitchell train. We had a long talk about it, but we were both thinking about it. I was I was close to it for sure, um, which is a big what if right now. But that's another conversation. 
Um, yeah, like a go all in is I'm not like they definitely shouldn't make a panic trade to like get any star that's available or anything, but the right type of superstar for sure. I think they should, they should go for it. But like this trade line this year, they at least need a tinker tanker and like they need to start bringing talent into this team. Um, if nothing else, but to like keep Pascal happy because he's up for an ex- he's up for a contract extension soon and like he's the priority he becomes the guy you need to resign so you gotta start at like they're the only team we were just talking about this me and uh i think it was will was saying this like they're the only team with like a top 15 player in the league you could argue top 10 whatever that has all their future picks and like yeah. hasn't started building around that top 15 player in like a a way where it's like you're shelling out your future for your present. So like they need to start that process, whether it's bringing in a, a kind of a starting caliber center shooting, obviously like a backup point guard, obviously um, whatever, like certain deals are going to be on the table. Certain deals aren't, but they, they need to start the process of adding talent, just like Boston did around the, the Jays. Like those guys were struggling. They still brought in Derek white. And but they really they waited them. a they waited a long time. Oh yeah, I think they should wait until the deadline. This team needs to figure their shit out. Oh, sorry, <laughs> on their own. But like, but but regardless, the deadline they still need to th- be buyers. Like, unless it's too far gone, but I don't think. It yeah, I mean that's kind of the question. I don't know. It 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 is interesting. I would pay a lot of money to shrink into a microscopic Aiden and crawl into the ear of Masai Ujiri and hear his thoughts on a day, day to day basis, because I would be curious what he's thinking. Um, you know, he is, he is known to pull the trigger when he has to, and he's known to, to sit on his hands for long periods of time until the Abaka and PJ Tucker trades finally happened after years, you know? Mm-hmm. So, he will, I mean, you know, in some respects, that's one of the greatest attributes of a GM is knowing the exact moment to pull the trigger. Um, and I think it's, we all know that it, that's not, it's not it right now, you know, like, well, yeah, but I think the front office deserves some blame in terms of like, it feels to me like they've struck out a few times here and now they're putting themselves in a bit of a position where you need to start making moves rather than out of like a place of comfort. It's in a place of, yeah, they've gotten cute. We've heard a lot. We've heard a lot about Pirtle rumors in the past. We've heard about Brogdon having an offer on the table for a backup point guard. Brogdon didn't want to come. We've heard Andrew Nemhard. They liked him at the draft. He goes two picks ahead of them. We've heard a lot of stuff about them trying to improve these positions and striking out. Um, and I'm not saying they should have like went overboard and just paid anything to get them, but I'm saying like they have put themselves in a position where it's no longer very comfortable. Like they need to start adding talent. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, you know, I think they were biding their time a little bit on Flynn. You know, I think they, they, they wanted to see if your, was this your three? Your, yeah. your three so. that they I think they wanted to see if he could grow and I mean yeah I mean, I don't think we're going to talk about this now but like also nurse and his minutes and his bench like we're seeing you know there I saw Samson and Amit talking on Twitter about Utah and O'Shea Brissett and how they could have been Raptors and I you know you know Samson had some good points about you know it's time and place blah 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 but Utah did not get a fair shake in town you just and did I not. said on our pod for sure they should keep Utah. Yeah, and they, I they was just, always in favor of that. They never gave him a fair shake. They did not let him ride it out. And yeah. and I think you know Nurse has some to blame here on like not really allowing development. It's ironic because he gives Precious and Scotty all of this time and space to like grow and develop and make screw ups, even Coloco to some degree. And there's other guys who just like, like Banton looked fine against Orlando the other night and he just like doesn't play again, you know? Yeah. So uh, Nurse has some to blame here on uh, on his, you know, greed with minutes. That's definitely his worst quality as a coach is like 
like Dwayne Casey say what you will about him, but like he played a bench mob of like five yeah. guys who played like 20 minutes a night. And like Nick would never do that. Um, no. Nick rides his best players and that's just like fundamentally how he believes. And then sprinkles the guys play. in at random moments at random times. And if you're, yeah. if you're Wancho and Thad, it's like a little bit easier to do, although it's still hard. But if you're young guys, it's really difficult. And like Malachi this year, I think has done everything asked of him. He's come in the game. He's hit shots. He hasn't been bad defensively. He's moved on from the ball. Um, and yet he just doesn't get opportunities. So yeah, I would, I would feel a little bit confused. He's definitely another guy who's going to go on to another team and have the type of success Utah is having. I'm not even like, I don't even doubt that. Like not, he's not, I'm not saying he's going to be great, but he's a backup point guard. Like absolutely. He'll find that role in, in some team. Um, yeah. probably won't be the Raptors, so that's okay. That was good. Anything yeah. else? No, I feel I guess, like we got it all out. Yeah, I will say real quick since we're already here. Um, Manscaped, do us a favor if you want to support the show, go to manscaped.com, use the code wrap up, R A P U P, and you get 20% off and free shipping, even in Canada in the United States. And yeah, it's, it's the holiday season. Get yourself a present, uh, get your, get your boyfriend a present, get your friend a present, get your family, you know, great. Here's an idea. Great, great thing. Order one thing per day for Hanukkah. Just each day you get a little manscaped item. A little treat. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a good product. I used, I used the, Did you, what'd you use? Yeah. The oh. lawnmower. Oh yeah, and for my balls, yeah, it was great. Very I... easy to not hurt yourself or cut yourself for an idiot like me. That's important. Um, smooth, yeah, it's a good product. Anyways, that's I've Manscaped. used the buzzer. I've used the buzzer on my scrotum before and nicked it, and it's like it's not fun. So having a tool where I can avoid that, I'm into. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to nick. You don't want to nick because then you go in the shower or the bath and you really feel it. You know those ones? Like you don't want to nick it because then you gotta that. nurse it. Exactly. This segment was sponsored by <laughs> Nick Nurse. <laughs> the Manscaped. No, no, no. All right. All right. That's good, I think. Good place yeah. to leave it. I'm gonna go watch the Fablemans. Got Ooh. a little torrent downloaded. Um, so we uh we're back Wednesday tomorrow night. I won't be here, but we are playing the Sacramento Kings, who I think they got whooped by Philly as we're filming this. If I'm yeah, they did. And, and their starters rested, so they'll be well rested. Okay. But yeah, big game for the Raptors tomorrow. All, all right, right thanks to all our podcast listeners. Thanks to all our YouTube listeners. Be sure to like the video, subscribe, all that good stuff. And um, we, will, we will see you on Wednesday night after the Raptors game. Um, we'll be back then. The wrap-up crew will. All right, bye.